Okay. What's up? This is What's Lucky up? Boys Podcast. I am Will, and we have an awesome guest today. Um, also, sitting across from me, my wingman, right-hand man. Yeah, this podcast. This chair is broken. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Norm. <laughs> Welcome back to Lucky Boys Podcast. Um, I think you were doing introductions on our special, very special guest. Jeff, he is an actor, a very talented one, I may add. Um, this guy comes with a wealth of knowledge, life experience, and what I love about him is that he keeps it real. You know, he fights for what he believes in. Since I met him, I've, I've been nothing but impressed with him. And uh, Jeff Lee, folks, Jeff Lee. Yo, Jeff. How are Welcome you? Welcome to the to the studio. Thank <laughs> you. It's an honor to be here, Norman. Will, since I've known you, I, I mean, I, I caught I caught some sh- some of your shows, and I can see that this is a real like so- soul searching place to be. Oh, okay, you cool. Know, that, that's my vibe on this. All right. You cool. know, you know, the funny thing is, like, we we don't really have a script coming into this, and it's. It's. Uh, I mean, as you can see, we didn't. We barely. You know, we didn't really put anything prior to this. We just said, "Hey, we're just going to talk and have some fun, and wherever it goes, it goes." And um, some of the guests that we have, and you know, you just never know when you get a, a few different personalities. You know, it's like it's like cooking. You get different ingredients, and it just works. It just works. You talk, and it just. You know, you, you end up learning more about each other and sharing experiences that sh- that that you never even knew about this person that you may have previously thought something else about you know and so i just find it um very interesting so your guests are the spice and the gravy absolutely norm (laughs) and i you know plain old rice we're we're just we're just black and white you know and our guests add white rice we're just white white rice you put the spice in like you know the guests right so i here's what i want to touch on you so you've been how many years have you been acting now um that's there was a big gap there was a big gap, about 20 years uh, when I was raising my kids. But I started, I'm, I'm SAG since maybe 32 years now, Screen wow. Actors Guild. Um, but even before that, I took class at a place called Basement Workshop, which was an arts, multi-arts organization, which was Asian American. Uh, downtown, uh, when I was there, it was on Broom Street, and it was like, a huge, like a gigantic loft. It had everything: photography, it had dance, it had writers, it had uh, uh, acting, it had music. I was the, you know, unofficial musical director there. I just, I was studying music in college. Um, so, at that time, Mako, who was, who won the uh, Oscar for best supporting. In the Sand Pebbles with Steve McQueen. I don't know if you heard, if you know this, but Steve McQueen. We heard uh, Steve McQueen. McQueen. You heard <laughs> yeah, Steve McQueen, but absolutely. Mako, Mako won, you know, the Oscar that year. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he was doing Pacific Overtures on Broadway, this huge production, mm-hmm. on his day off, he would teach a drama workshop. And, That's love right and, there. Yeah, and just by my being there at basement, I was at basement, you know, almost every day. Um, and I would take dance there. I would take, uh, you know, I, I uh, there was a huge photo- uh, photography thing. I donated a my uncle's, uh, you know, huge Bessler enlarger. They had the best facilities. It was nice. So Marco came. 
He taught one day a week on his day off, and that kind of got me hooked. Oh, this was during college, your college years? Or was uh, this, this is after college. After college. This is after college. So did, did he become sort of like a, a mentor to you? Yeah, well, he was definitely, his, his personality was so strong. He was like one of, I mean, I was lucky enough, I think in my life I've had a few like master, like seafood type teachers, and, and he was That's one awesome. of them. You Mako know. was in uh, the Green Hornet with Bruce Lee, right? Was yeah, that Mako. That's only just that's only that's one, one of yeah, his. one of his. Yeah, yeah. So he was great. Uh, I mean, he would just like kick your ass. You know, he <laughs> he would <laughs> just what, like he was, was just your teacher too. Like if he if, if he thought like you weren't being honest, you know, in your that you were just there and being like all self conscious about acting, he would just like tear you. To, he'd give you a look like. And then he, he had this low voice. He would just like destroy you and melt you right there in front of everybody. Oh, and then and you that's go a tough love. That, that makes so that, <laughs> so that kind of you know makes you go into yourself and go, wow, he's just like saw right through me. You know, Ty Ma is the same thing, the same way. I, I took his class a couple of years ago. Man, that boy's talented. Right. Ty Ma, if you guys don't know, right. he's an actor. He's been in several several. Feature films. Well, he's going to be the father in Mulan. Yeah, amongst. I saw the trailer for in, that. Yeah. Man, he's yeah. bad, and I yeah. loved him in the Arrival. He was Arrival. Yeah, he was I also, mean, he was like he was the general, of, right, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he has so much control yeah. in his acting. I mean, his he's one of the actors where you could just, you know, he doesn't try to overdo it, but is his eyes, man. He's got yeah. something about his eyes, and you just look at it, and his eyes just express so much emotion through the camera he doesn't yes. even need lines man you no. just the, the context of the scene and it's enough for the viewer to extrapolate enough information where you go man that's really it's a really you can see his pain you can see his his thought process it's he it's fascinating to, yeah, to watch to say much and it's just on the expression like in, he wasn't the father in the farewell as well right yeah i was gonna say the farewell also yeah, yeah with aquafina mm-hmm. that's uh Pretty yeah heavy. i mean yeah, he's so, bad, man. He's a bad man. He's also a bad. He's a badass teacher. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because he was not holding back. I mean, he's he's like he's like my age, and I, I, you know, we I've known him since we were teenagers too. You know, he moved out to L.A. and I hadn't seen him do it for there was a bunch of decades where I didn't. Is he a New Yorker? Is he a native New Yorker? Yeah, yeah. Holy shit! He grew yeah. up with you. He's guys? originally from Staten Island. But oh, he, oh, oh yeah, yeah. No wonder he's got that. You know that New York. Oh yeah. Oh, and his Cantonese is actually perfect, like perfect. <laughs> was it perfect before he he went to uh, L.A. or it was always been like yeah, that? And yeah, I would assume like if you're growing up in the, at that time, <laughs> yeah, you know it's it's uh, and, it, and and the guys he hung out with, you know, they were also from like FOB. Okay, okay, so I mean. His Chinese was perfect. And so Fobs, to put it in context for those of you who don't know, is, just, is uh, really like people that are not Native American. I mean, fresh Native to boat. American, they're fresh, yeah. fresh off, off the, boat. the boat. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where uh, I guess, Chinese is their first language. Yeah. yeah. Well, going back to his teaching, his teaching, well, yeah. he's the type of teacher that would also like just like cut you up. He would just cut you up and see right through everything. He said, are you, what kind of bullshit are you giving me? <laughs> <laughs> wow! Yeah, I, I mean, mean, you cut straight to a point. You, yeah, the, he, the class is only yeah, like a few he, hours. I mean, he would 
do that to me, and they're just like, oh, man, I just got my ass, you know, coming after that class, I'm going, I just got my ass kicked. So he's not going to patronize you. He's not no, going no, to he's not gonna hold try back. to massage no, that's your, not in his, your ego no. and your feeling. He's going he's gonna to cut through all the shit. Right. And he's going, and he's going to say, look, are you going to, you're here to do a job. Yeah. Well, he's doing you a favor by being so straight up. Mm-hmm. That's rare. I, I find that. I mean, I've taken acting classes, and um, I just find it rare that you get that type of love this day and age. Mm. Right? I feel a lot yeah. of people take it personal. They feel attacked. Yeah. Um, they, it makes them feel uncomfortable. And, and, and I'm a big proponent. If you're really talented, if, if you have all of the attributes, right, and uh, and you're, you're showing that tough love, then absolutely. If you're, if you're like the Michael Jordan of it, you're Kobe Bryant, and they're being tough on you, and the way you're playing ball, you're dribbling or whatnot. Um, in this case, Tai Ma, I mean, very talented actor, mm-hmm. and he's, he's breaking you down. He's, he's, you know, he's dissecting your weaknesses, and he's putting it in front of your face. And a lot of times, I, I think you need that because you need to get through to the person to help them understand what they're doing wrong and right so they can correct it and, and, and look for, I guess, in acting-wise, look for a place inside of you to make that adjustment, right? And, and this day and age, I just don't feel like, you know, I have a couple of kids and, and when I see them going through some of their teachers, I just feel they're being coddled. Spoiled or um, or they're they're, they're they're being very gently taught. Does that make sense? They're being gently taught. Gently, that's not even a real word. Gently, they're being really gently taught. Right? Is that a nice way of putting it? Just like to push. Well, that's yeah. There's a different comparison of different teachings, different environments you're talking about now. Yeah. This is a this is an art class. It's supposed to be a master class. What I mean, because you come from that old school hardcore shit, right? I mean, obviously. Um, it's very different from your your generation, my generation, and this generation that's coming up. Now, from your vantage point, what do you feel is more an effective way of learning or teaching? Oh, you see, I, I'm my education and my bringing up was not your normal Chinatown one because Chinatown education. Like very I mean, strict. I was already compared I, to like the very strict. It was not strict. I mean, okay. it was not strict only because my parents, you know, I I would say that I was spoiled as a kid. You know, I was the firstborn. I'm the eldest son. Mm-hmm. You know, usually the eldest firstborn, ba- eldest the son. They get whipped. Like they're the they're the <laughs> well, ones being tough. Like, yeah, but first, right? they but they're also treasured, right? So yeah, the they're treasured, else. but there's yeah. a lot of pressure on them to perform. Yeah. Um. Don't. My father's ABC. Mm. Was ABC. I mean, he's passed away, but he's ABC. And um, American born Chinese. American born Chinese, yeah. So you're second generation. I'm second generation by him, first generation by my mother. Okay. 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 Um, So I think he was, he's Americanized. I mean, he was, he was brought up in, even though he was brought up in Chinatown also. I mean, he was born in the building where he lived all his life. He was born in the building in 1921. Yeah. You 1921. Know, no hospital. It was just like... Oh, wow. like literally. When I say in the building, he was born in the... In, 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 in the like same a tenement apartment. China, yeah. Chinatown tenement apartment, yeah. And so um, 
He grew up Americanized. I mean, mm-hmm. he was into, like, you know, cars and working on cars and the streets, motorcycles when he was a kid, like um, like, like most American things or just happened to be in Chinatown, mm-hmm. which was similar to my up- upbringing. You know, it was not a strict, like, Chinese upbringing. Mm-hmm. If you... Do you know what I'm trying to I know, absolutely. Yes. You, didn't get the, with that? You, you didn't have yeah. a tiger parents... Where right. they were constantly breathing down your neck, where right. you had to perform anything less than an A plus was unacceptable. Well, that was the other thing, right? Too. You yeah. didn't get physically yeah. abused, yeah. mentally abused. Yeah. I mean, that's those, those were even from my generation. I mean, my parents are both immigrants, and right. and the way they raised well, any immigrant, well, mostly I shouldn't say any, but mostly any immigrant parents, and it's not exclusive to just Asians. I mean, it's it's the upbringing is pretty aggressive. Yeah. Well. I was able to get away with a lot because I was lucky enough to be like, uh, let's say, just smart enough to get through school. You know, I skipped a grade when mm-hmm. I was in in uh, elementary school. I didn't go to second grade. I went from first to third, and things like that would happen. So when my pa- so that let me have a lot of free reign with my parents. I could get away with a lot as long as I did well. I was. You know, most mostly through junior high school and high school, I was a yeah. You were doing, an honor student. You were doing well. Yeah, and I was doing well. Born. So therefore, they're so. Do, if I'm doing well, that means they're doing well. Mm-hmm. So they don't have to. They didn't have to push. There was no pressure because right. because you you weren't right. like on the streets hanging out and stuff like that. You were doing well in school. Yeah, your parents kind of saw that. They gave you that leniency. So right. where were you? Were you on Mott Street? Yeah. In, in what years? On the corner of uh, Twenty One Mott. Twenty-one mile. Yeah. What 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 what, what uh, decade were you in on that? Uh, well, if I graduated high school in '69, uh huh. So that's so '50s and '60s. Yeah, I was. That's born the prime. Yeah, like was, of the. Yeah, I'm a '50s. What, what was Chinatown Chinatown like in the '50s and '60s? Well, I can still remember when there used there used to be an L on the Bowery, an L train, an elevated train, right? On really? The Bowery, yeah. Oh wow. I remember when I what was, an yeah, elevated train above a, ground. Yeah, uh, and it went. I did all, not know that. Yes, yeah, you could look it up. I think they took it down in '55. That's one of my la- earliest <laughs> memories from that. I think I must have been two or three years old. Holy shit! Okay, okay, and then they took it down after after that. Yeah. Well, what, what was Chinatown like specifically culturally? Um, the the the, the flavor, food, basically Toys Um and and uh, I guess like how was it? How did outsiders view view it? Right, I'm really curious about that. How was the street life there? Was it did it have a sense of danger, or did you feel safe well, in the community? You're talking about a kid that's protected, though. I mean, so that I was not really that exposed to what you're what you're asking about right. and talking about nightlife. That I mean, my experience of nightlife didn't happen until my teens, right? And it was still crazy around then. Mm-hmm. That was. You're talking about I'm the sure 70s. It was, it was way crazy. So 60s, the 70s in 60s Chinatown 70s. was way crazier yeah. than it is now. Yeah, when I was growing up in the 60s and 70s, the Chinatown was all night. You know, it was 24 hours. Mm-hmm. It was 24 hours. Oh. Oh, yeah. Shit. Never slept. Yeah, instead of just like one place. Like being, all the shops was open 24 hours? No, not, no. Uh, <laughs> I was about to say. No, I was but, like, if holy you, shit. but if you needed to eat in the middle of the night or go out and drink in the middle of the night, you'd, have, spots. Your, you'd have your choices. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's still kind of like now. A little bit. Mm. Got your noodle town. 
Your wonton garden. I mean, they say it I late. guess, yeah. I'm also talking, you know, bars, right. too. Okay. You know, there was a famous bar on East Broadway called Grandpa's. Okay. Where everybody used to go. You hung out there, too? Yeah, sure. What was that like back then? Yeah, was the, there, the, the, did, did, the bar scene. Did you feel like a element of well, danger, or was it just real well, cool? Everybody's all peace and love. No, it wasn't. No, there was everybody's definitely Everybody's like, oh, hippied no, out. No, 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 no. There was definitely, in the 60s, I'd say in the 70s, you know, you would randomly hear gunshots at night. Oh, shit. In, in the neighborhood. In, yeah, it, in, on my street, my street. I'm talking wow. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. There was, yeah. And there was, there, but I was never, I the way I was raised, I was always on the periphery of that. I never, you know, plus my Chinese was really was bad, terrible. Really yeah. terrible. So, you know, they could never really recruit me. Mm-hmm. So, oh, is that it? So they, like, if you did not speak the language well, they wanted well, nothing to do you, with you? Yeah, pretty much. Wow. Yeah, because they they can't communicate. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no there's no back right. and forth. Right. So how are you going to get something started? Yeah. Yeah. Unless unless you know your best friend is going to be there the whole time who speaks Chinese. Right. <laughs> were so, you were, were you viewed like an outsider? Or did you feel like um, an outsider? Uh yeah, I've I've many times felt like I'm in Chinatown but I'm not. You know, that's Interesting. so in my up that's what I'm trying to say is my upbringing was different. And also, uh, when I was younger, my my grandfather got my father to buy a summer house on the east end of Long Island. And so I spent my summers there with white kids playing softball, you know, shooting uh, air rifles, you know, and uh, swimming. So you got a taste of suburb know, life. Wow. Yeah. So you know, totally different. Boats, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. You had a chance yeah, to... Yeah, my father was an engineer. He was, like what I'm saying, he was like a G.I. Joe. You know, he was a Republican until Obama. I'm not kidding. What? He did. He was a he Republican was, until he Obama? He was a Republican. He voted Republican. I mean, he voted Republican until he was 80, 80, 81, wow. when Obama ran. And that was yeah. the first time he Obama, ever... Obama, that boy charismatic yeah. as hell, man. Yeah. yeah you know. So if you can get... Damn. He converted your dad. A, a long time, yeah. <laughs> that's Republic. amazing, because so. oh, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, yeah. you know? And for him to... That's incredible. Yep. Wow. So, you're, so, your parents, so your parents, like, kept you away from, from the, the, you know, just things that are happening in the streets of Chinatown during that time period. Yeah, uh, I don't know if it was a conscious thing, but they just knew it was better. That was like, this is the life that they chose also. It's also yeah. for them. Right. But they chose to stay in Chinatown, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, the the, the summer place was always, um, I spent my, I would spend the whole summer there. My father would commute uh, to work, which was in the middle of Long Island. Okay. You know, he worked, he was an aeronautical engineer, so he worked for uh, Republic, which was in, based in somewhere in the, uh, closer to the middle. So from there, how did you get into acting? Basement workshop. That was but that was my first. How old were you? I was I was not a kid. I was like uh, probably twenties, early twenties. Okay, so let's draw this timeline out. Maybe mid twenties, even could be. All right, so. During your mid-20s, you go into this place called The Basement where yeah. they basically bred talent, right? It was yeah. like a university for anybody that wanted to go against the grain, especially Asian-Americans at yes. that time or Asians in general, Yes, um, to do something in entertainment and creative. Yeah. 
Um, so you go there, you get a love for the craft. Then you take a massive hiatus from it. How many oh, years after? Well, there was an in-between. See, basement, where, uh, there was a music studio and everything there. And I, used, I somehow, somebody gave him my name, uh, the band called The Heat. It was a band called The Heat who was looking for an, they wanted an ethnic Asian bass player. And somehow they got my name. <laughs> and they approached me and said, hey, we have a gig at CBGB's. Oh, cool! Mm-hmm. So and uh, so, okay. So you played at CBGB? Yeah, I yeah I played at CBGB's often. Oh shit! We man, played there. Cool. We played at that was CBGB's. Just a couple of blocks of where I grew up. Max, yeah, Max is Kansas City. Uh, I mean, after a while, I mean, the band. So the band, I learned how to play bass. I'm a guitar player, but it's if you're a guitar player, you can play bass. Basically, yeah. play bass. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it depends on how good, how much you want to. Develop your you know, your style and everything. But I, you can, you can fake bass pretty easily. Okay. Uh, so that, which is basically what I did. And but the, the band turned out to be a pretty hot band. I mean, we were tri-racial. I okay. was the bass player. The drummer was Italian American, and the, and the singer and the guitar player were Afro American. Oh wow! You know, and, you we, know, and we're playing music like the Who. That just blows my mind. And what year is this? Uh, 77, 78. Look, you cannot make any excuses out there. I mean, I hear so many people saying, you can't do this because I'm Asian. I can't do this. At 77, you think there's any opportunities for Asians? (laughs) And you're the one disproving all of that. You know, you're in a fucking band. You're acting. Yeah. You're you're doing all this shit regardless of whatever, you know, you you didn't play the victim card. You're just like, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to go seek opportunities. And I'm just going to do it because I love it. Yes. Well, and we I didn't love think that. twice about that stuff. So how 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 did you how did you get away from it? Because you told me um, that we were out drinking one night. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and you're a fantastic guy to go out for a couple of drinks with. But you you said something to me when we were outside um, getting some fresh air, and and you said, "Well, I took a break, and I'm actually getting back into acting." And I th- yeah. I thought, "Holy shit!" Like, because you. You're very passionate about the craft, and um, and it made me wonder, like, what the, what, how, how did you pull away from that, and 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 why? Just draw that timeline for me. How did you get into act? I mean, from getting into acting, the basement, falling in love with it, and making all these great contacts, and mm-hmm. working with other creative minds, which is always fun, right? Um, well, depending, but uh, then kind of stepping away from it kind of almost like a breakup talking about breaking up see that's exactly where i was going on this um the band the heat i was in was we were fairly notorious on the scene this was around the the era of punk and new wave when madonna was coming in oh man so you guys are like you know, that new we sound. were yeah we had a place this is you know it's a fairly long story in terms of and there is a friend, you know, my friend is doing a rockumentary about this band. My, uh, and we, we, you know, we were on American Bandstand. We, ha- we were on, our single was getting played on the major radio stations. 
We was we got signed. I mean, we did an English tour. We you never told me that. Oh, well, no, not that many. You people did an know. English tour. You played Is multiple it? times at CBGB. <laughs> yeah, you freaking the billboards. Were oh, you yeah. on the billboards? No, no. That, All these things? No. So what, don't no, hold I, out. I, Jeff, I come on. Play, don't hold out. I would have loved it if we got to billboards, but, yeah. you know, this, uh, we had that, we lived. A Chinese man <laughs> killing it in the 70s. Let's go. Let's go. But we did a real spinal tap. I mean, <laughs> the band I'm talking about. See, you're talking about breaking up. So yeah. this, this is what I'm, you know, going to eventually, I'll get there eventually. I'll answer your question. Um, so, we got signed to Polygram, which was a uh, a major record label at the time. So, you know, there was a, you know there was some money involved, but we had an English manager and we had an American manager. The English manager was a bit of a uh, dirtbag, as far. As. <laughs> um, so, at one point, now you're talking about a band that has four members. You know, it's like having a table with four legs. Between the guitar player and the and the manager, they decided, "Hey, we want to get rid of the lead singer." Oh shit! And so you know, then you're breaking up a big, fa- you know, you're breaking Damn. up a tight family. You right. Know? This is yeah. this is after we've been playing together. We got the fucking lead you know, the head of the well, snake. The, well, the lead singer was, you know, he's this right. type of guy that would drink a, a, a bottle of fifth a day while you're on tour. Is that why they wanted to ask him? That's a lot to do with it. That's that's, okay. just, that's just one thing. So anyway, he gets he actually got booted. You know, I'm going. Well, what are you going to kick him out? Who's next? Me? You know, I'm talking to the manager. You know, that means you can also kick me out. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah. So I paid it. You know, he did get kicked out. So the lead singer. Yeah, the lead singer. So at that point, we stayed together as a trio. Yeah, because the the guitar player was fantastic voice also. Oh, oh, fantastic! They're both okay. you know great singers. That's why we did well. We were able to pull off. We could pull off three and four part harmonies, you know, in a rock band. You know, it was, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. so it was uh, it was good. You know, um, we break up. We do a couple of gigs. You know, open for the Ramones and stuff like that. Wow, that's huge, man. Yeah, we would open for the Ramones. Ramones. We'd open Jesus, for uh, Jeff Joe. Joe Jackson, you know, bands like that. So um, when that kind of, when we broke up and then I found myself in a position where, oh, wow, man, this is like, I had the brass ring. Wait, wait, why'd you guys break up? Or you can't go into that. Why'd you guys break up? Uh, The English manager just um, disappeared. Like he took our money. What? (laughs) And basically disappeared. You know, yeah, it's not like exactly. we were making that much money because we did not have an album. We did, we had a, we had, a, we had a contract where usually, you'll get a, you get a single, and then with an option, to make, an album, or you know, or more. And but the, but the, it's up to the record company who if they want to maintain you. And we didn't get that, album option. You know, taken. And that, and that just kind of killed the, the right, vibe of right. The, and the then team. There, yeah, okay. right. And then that just killed. And then when he disappeared, then basically he ghosted us. Right. You know, the manager. Yeah. This is the English manager. That so what happens from there? So then I'm stuck with, wow, man, I got nothing coming in. And uh, uh, I'm married at the time. Kid? Uh, kid? Kid yet? Did you have your first kid? No. Not yet? No. Okay. No. Uh, 
Actually, I started another band after the heat with two of the former members. Okay. And uh, that's going to be coming around in another circle because I'm going to be making a music video with these guys. One of, yeah, with the drummer. Okay. You guys will know about this this year. This yeah, is, yeah, put us yeah, up I have, on it, man. I have a big, big plan on that. I'm going to need your help, too. You know, I need, cool. I need a, no, this one, this one is going to require a lot of help, and I know it. So uh, uh, I'm answering your, your question the long way because it's, if I leave out too much, you know, there's too, it's like too much of a hole going, wow. So did I, uh, what was the last thing you asked me? It was, so what, what happened, like, from that transition? Is it because you said you didn't have kids yet, so, but you were married. Now you're thinking about your financial status. Right? Yeah. Well, so what's going on there? Like, what's going through your head? You guys are breaking up. Yeah. You're starting a new band. Yeah. You're married. But now, yeah. now you're starting to look at reality, and you're looking at your dream. So, and you're weighing the two. Yeah. So that's why I find fascinating because, like, personally – Oh man, like I've I got one foot in reality and I got one foot in going after my dreams, right? Mm-hmm. And I want to be true to myself. Like I want my kids to one day look, and that's the most important thing to me is that they want to they look back and go, "Damn, yo, dad's a fucking badass." You know, he did all that shit. He's you know I'm I'm juggling like a corporate thing and I'm excelling at that and I love what I do, mm-hmm. right? But at the same time, like I got to be true to myself and and create because I also have that itch. And there's so many things in between my dream and my reality that I'm trying to niche, you know, get sold together. Right. Because I don't want I'm I'm, I'm, I'm terrified of being just one dimensional as well. Like because I have so many things that I love to do and, and love to experience. And I feel like I need all of these things to be whole. Yes. Right. One is going to take care of my health. One is going to take care of my fun. One is going to help my creativity, my love. Right. My yeah. passion, my anger. Like I need an outlet. So, so I need to I need those things in my life. And for me to just go full blown, I can't with this because it's not financially. Um, You know, you have so any you have only so much time in a day and you cannot manage it where where it's it's financially beneficial to you and your family, then it's usually the dreams are the first thing to get cut. Yeah, okay. Well, especially when you have kids, too. And then 100%. And it's totally... You're responsible. It's totally... It, it's almost <laughs> like... it's almost, and, and, you know, everyone is looking at you and they're like, dude, you got to put food on the table, the roof over the head. That's number yeah. one. The band is not going to make it. You can't keep DJing. You can't keep playing at this gig. Like, you can't keep moving around. Like, you need to be here, right? Mm-hmm. And that's totally understandable. So is that what you went through? Well, I have to say I had a lot of help in terms of I've my bass has never been, like, that bad personally, only because I've always had a place to stay. That's a huge, you- ad- that's a huge advantage in a place like New York. Mm-hmm. It's like oh my gosh yeah. okay and you had the support of your, okay. your family you're like, you're like so when that I, takes away like, so much when stress I, when you know you got a roof over your I head I had I had that support from my family who I you know who basically even though I was kind of like wild and uh, and they couldn't really understand me they still would always when I told when I told them I'm moving out 
I was even thinking of like moving out of Chinatown. All of a sudden, an apartment <laughs> opened up, <laughs> and so <laughs> magically, since, uh, since why that, move so, out? So I'm I'm to answer your question. I haven't ha- I haven't had to go through what a lot of other people go through. I mean, I don't want to have any like misunderstandings. Like I was like, you know, homeless on the street and coming back. This is not uh, right. I'm Jeff, far from it. You had to, but you stepped away from it. You stepped, stepped away from away, the music. Yeah. I stepped away you from step, music. You That's stepped true. away from and the theater, acting. right? Yeah, you, yeah. From, from, from the lights and the cameras. Oh, yeah. Why? Um, it wasn't easy. Um, but why? What, well, what made well, you go? It, was it because you're like, you know what? Was it self-doubt? No, no. Was it? it when you had like, kids. Well, when, no, I, but the, when, when, when kids started to appear in the picture in, let's say, 19... That would have been 84 when my son was born. Okay. Okay. Um, that's when you realize, oh, man, you, well, my wife would also have a job on the side, you know, not a like, huge income, but enough to help. She pitched then. En- she did enough her to job. Help. And so I would do, like, a lot of, you know, some, some weird jobs, but um, I did acting. T- I did acting as a background actor, mm-hmm. which is not that bad. As a SAG actor, you can do mm-hmm. okay if you're... And there weren't that many Asians in SAG at the time. So if I wanted to, I could basically just... Competition was low. Yeah, I could basically just work if I wanted to. So that was there. And um, I ended up doing a medical and legal word processing. I didn't even know how to type Hmm. at the time. But my doctor, my brother-in-law at the time... Excuse me. Needed a typist. Mm -hmm. (coughs) Excuse me. Sip of your coffee. Needed a typist for his office consultations. They have when you have a specialist doctor, they mm-hmm. usually have to give a report, and so there was a need. And you know, he had about eight doctors in his office. It was a big, uh, you know, a big office. Mm-hmm. And so, I ended up learning how to type on the spot on a on a typewriter. At that time, this was before. Like computers I remember were, typing on typewriters. Okay, before I, computers were happening, I had a computer that you really had to press finger. down that motherfucker. <laughs> right, and so <laughs> so I would do it the hard way. I would print it out. I mean, I would type it. You know, use a computer. I had a, for, I had a computer that uh, a typewriter that could communicate with my printer. Damn, and it would act so high tech on me now. Right, Jeff. that was high tech <laughs> at the time. You know, at the office and. Um, I'd go back and forth to office. I'd act, m- actually make deliveries of like hard copies of letters. I would type like thousands and thousands of letters a year, mm. and I also and I ended up picking up a, a lawyer, and I was his right. uh, like his legal secretary. Mm-hmm. This was this went on for like fifteen years. So okay. so you step away from the acting creative gig for fifteen years. Yeah, at least Un- until yeah. your until your your first kid was, I guess until you built up enough, I guess capital. And where your kid could kind of, well, yeah, I right. Mean, where you were, no, and then and then nine and then nine uh, eleven happened. Okay, and um, which was you know like close to twenty years ago. That was two thousand one. Right. right. So when that happened, we had I had like four phone lines going in my house. I would I was working at home, mm-hmm. you know, and basically sending out the work, you know, by mail. I actually had a postal meter, did the whole bit. Right. Um, when 9-11 happened, I ended up losing like half the money that was coming in 
because we had no phone lines, and all my work was based, you know, basically telephone. Yeah. Right. The doctors would call up and say, "Hey, uh, this is what happened when I saw this patient, and so and so." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh wow. And I would and I would type out their letter. Right. And so I lost the four lo- phone lines, and then the doctors in that in that time frame, it, only, it was only a few weeks or two weeks. They 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 have to keep the flow going. Mm-hmm. They just find other sources. Jeez. So and what did so you do? It's, it's, I started to do, I went back to do some more uh, background work. Mm-hmm. I think at that time this was. Go back to what you know. What, what, I can't remember what year this was. I mean, the, if we're talking about 9-11. Yeah, so 2012. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, so, what, what, 2012. Well, no, 20. No. 2001, I'm sorry. 2001. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you so you so two thousand two, right? I mean, if you're yeah. if you're nearing yeah. the end yeah. of two thousand one, yeah. yeah. you're in the right. last quarter right. of two thousand and one. So yeah. yeah, right. So yeah. I would just background jobs were like a good, fairly stable income for me at the time. So was that your it wasn't big? Was it was that your to survive? Was that your yo? Let me reintroduce myself. My name is. What doing that type? Back, of, doing yeah, that type was that? Of work? Was that how you got no, back you in the just, game? If they basically all knew. It was two thousand and two no. your yeah. reemergence into your creative career? Two thousand two. Yeah. Back into. I'm not sure what you're saying. So back into like, creative. Yeah, yeah. Because you took a break from the acting gig, and then two thousand and two was that being on extra on sets, just being around cameras again, being around other actors yeah. and creative. Was that where you go? Hey. I want to be in. I want to go full time with this again. I think I can't do it. Like what? What was that? What was the catalyst to that? Was it nine eleven? The whole situation with your financial situation, like yeah. yeah. So, so it's interesting. The these the whole financial situation is what took you out of acting, and you went full circle because now your financial situation is why you're going back into acting. Well, yeah, I was, I've was. i always paid my SAG dues. Isn't that fucking crazy? <laughs> so I could the same shit time. that pulls you out is the same shit that pulls you back in. That's part of it, plus the necessity right. of, of, of the kids. Yeah, I mean, you, you need course, to have something. You've got to have the some job of The job of the father is to protect and provide. Yeah, well, the, the, and the mother, too. I mean, in this case, the mother helped. Right. You know, I can't, I don't know, right. equally, whatever you want. Right. It, it may have been close, but. Yeah. Right. At this time. I couldn't have done it myself. I, I wouldn't. Sure. I wouldn't have wanted to do it myself. Right. For huh? sure. No, it takes, it takes, I mean, I, you can do it yourself. Um but you gotta but have a, shit, uh, man. Yeah, you need I mean, an understanding partner. For real, it's, it, That's the one thing. So, all right, now that we're you brought that up, I cannot, and that's a word that triggers me. Hmm. Everyone's like, so when they try to look for a partner, a relationship, um, someone that you know, the life partner. What they'll say is, yeah, I want you know the the very abstract stuff, right? Or, or the shallow things where they say, I want someone who will make me laugh. I want, which is cool, I get it. I want someone who's beautiful, who's sexy, who's uh, wealthy, right? And I get all those things. But to me, the number one thing in a life partner, it has to be understanding. Like you need to understand because I got a crazy life, right? Yeah. And there's going to be situations, and I need you to understand and trust me. That is so crucial. With it, you, could, someone could be sexy, someone could be funny, but if they're not understanding, 
it's not going to work. Or, you can't yes. be in at home constantly fighting because this motherfucker right here <laughs> cannot understand. I'm working so hard. I'm not out here messing around and 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 you know it's just having someone that that just understands and they get you they get you they get you your weaknesses your strength and they're going to support you through it it's so key yeah it's so key and the, and the, you just saying that it, it just i mean I, I don't think this day and age most people understand that they need to find someone that's understanding that's that's a top two trait yep i at this point even if i get the feeling that she's trying to understand that's very satisfying yeah that it doesn't necessarily mean that they totally understand where you're coming from that and they may not they may not they may not because they're not actors as well they may, yeah they may never but the, but the thing is that you know that at some point like you've touched your partner and and they can see that you're fully fully committed to what you're talking about, I'm being kind of abstract here, but <laughs> but that's where trust comes in. But that, that exactly that's exactly. A, when you're abstract and, and they don't fully understand, and it's because they you know they're not they don't have their foot in your shoe, yeah. you know both feet, and they somewhat understand because they see you from a distance, but at the same time they it, it's like you know what, I love him or I love her, and I trust her or him, right? And I think. That is key. But again, it, it can backfire. You give the understanding and trust to the wrong person. Holy shit, is that going to backfire? <laughs> you know, you have to find, but just for, and I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm saying this for anyone that's looking for someone in a relationship, you should look for someone who is understanding and that can trust you. They're not psycho. They're not going to stalk you, go through all your shit. Question I mean, everything that you do. Question you everything know? you mm-hmm. do. Strip you of all your friends, right? In order to gain control to, of you and thinking that they cut off all of those things. It'll take away all of temptation, any, you know, any type of control or influence that the other friends may have over you. I think it's just, I think going down that road in a relationship is extremely toxic. And then at the same time, whether you're male or female, I think that you lose a big part of you when you do that because now you have to try to, like take away a part of you in order to fit this person's mold of what they want you to be by them kind of boxing you in it's a it's it's restricting yeah jeff i think yeah i think you just i think it's amazing that you you kind of hit the lottery man what look (laughs) from the era that you grew up from the era you grew up in you had a very understanding set of parents Okay, I grew up in the 80s and the 90s, and my parents was not. Let me tell, look, I'm in my age right now. Let me tell my mom I want to be an actor and my dad that I'm quitting my day job and I'm going to pursue, you know, playing bass guitar. I'm going to pursue being an actor. They're going to fucking flip their lid. Well, yeah, they. you're talking about understanding. They. I don't think they truly understand the understood me but but they supported you but they supported unconditionally that's the thing that's a big deal look I jeff mean, i tried to play basketball growing up yeah and both my parents was like that's a waste of time what are you doing and i was actually talented in it i mean naturally i'm i got mm. the height i got the speed um the athleticism right i was chinese guy 13 years old started dunking right my first dunk wow right i got handle i got a jump shot however it was kind of raw because i was still 
um, developing like strength and 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 uh, skill sets and and uh, just a lot of other things. When you're 13, you're still developing your abilities. Parents pulled me out. I made the high school team. Parents were like, "Nope." Really? Pulled me out. Oh, 100. Anything that didn't have to do anything with books, Academics. grades, having a letter associated with it or a large number like 100 was unacceptable. Wow. So they just they pulled me away from it no matter how many trophies I bought home and I brought home a shit. If you go to my house you see a ton of trophies. Um they if I ever wanted to take it seriously beyond the hobby. No. And and I'm it's not exclusive to me. And how do you how does how does that affect you now? When it how do you how do you tie that tie see, that the in thing with is being like, creative I, artist? I like can't I can't be my age and blame anyone for the outcome of my life, for better or for worse. Um, I really can't because that's a situation that I was put in and at my age now I should be able to correct it and, and move forward regardless of whatever happened. Things happen to everyone. You are. So I'm not going to play the victim. Um, do I think that I could have made something more of myself? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you know, you're telling me to, to be a fish and I'm not a fish. I'm a I'm a land animal, let's say, right? Mm-hmm. Or I'm an eagle. You know, I'm I'm, I'm sure. supposed to fly, and you're and you keep telling me to swim. I, I, and uh, one thing, though, I think it's huge um, that now that I'm a father, I I I I know better now, so I'll do better. So what you did for me that didn't work, and I know it doesn't work. I'm not going to do that to my kids. You know, I'm I'm going to be way more understanding. I'm going to support them in their endeavors and their yeah. dreams and their goals. I'm going to push them. I'm going to be their biggest advocate. And and that's, so for me, um, I think because of that, it's going to help me become a, a, a much better father because I know what it's like. I, uh, you know, I know what it's like to miss opportunities. Now, you know, to have a God-given talent and not be able to really fully express the the greatness that was that was there, you know, within where I was in my prime, um, and and parents are gonna make mistakes. It's not like my parents were being um, mean, right? They just thought what they did was best. I mean, they were wrong, but coming from their culture, you they're know, doing it, was, it out of love. It was out of love. It was yeah. tough love, but it was they were close minded, and that's why I say you hit the lottery with that because especially you came up before I did, and to have parents like that that'll support you even though they didn't fully understand you was in, absolutely incredible for for an asian american first generation that's it's mind-blowing to me when i hear something yeah. like that i'm like wow i mean like look jeremy lynn would not be jeremy lynn i don't think if his mother supported him right uh went to the lengths that she did right uh, a lot of either, she did she did right yeah. that's what i'm saying i i think I think we need all the help we can get as Asian Americans because when we're trying to do anything creative or entertainment, we're not known for that already. Like, like you can be really good at something, but being an Asian American, and I don't want to play the victim here, but these are facts. You got to be extra, extra, extra good in order to be on, on the same playing field in the same group of people that are just okay, that are right. just good. You got to be you extra be good to make the extra, same money extra, also. To make the same <laughs> yeah. money. You know, like, because you, you have to prove that you belong. And whereas these people, they just already belong. Yeah. And, and, you know, so it's like, it's like we, it's like giving somebody a, 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 a you know, a 10 second head start and to say that we have to beat them in a race. Otherwise, we're not qualified. 
That's fucking crazy. So that's what I'm saying. So now you're giving them a 10 second head start and your people in your own circle aren't even there to support you. People that, that love you and they're telling you to do something else. You know, like you, you want to play music, you want to do this, but they're telling you to that's how, that's how they were stick your nose your in a book that. Somebody, and memorize a bunch yeah. of useless facts that, and then they want you to sit at a desk and type away or whatever it is, or work in a restaurant and cook and, uh, for, you know, just physical labor or I don't know, just do something that doesn't require too much thought. And, and, and I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid of that. And I knew that where I that's, I knew that's exactly where I was headed if I followed my parents' dream for me, is to do something that becomes repetitive every fucking day. I can't do oh, that. Oh, yeah. I could not do what my father did. My father commuted, you know, commuted actually like yeah. hours. Look, look, well, look at yeah. the people I'm taking an advice day. from. Yeah. My mom and dad, they did the same thing every day, grueling physical labor. Mm-hmm. And they're giving me advice. So they're giving me advice to be like them. And I'm looking at their job. I'm like, there's no, ab- there's no way I want to do that. There's no way I want to like work that physical to the bone like in my prime of my life. I, I don't want to do that. That's not, that's not what it's about. Survival? I don't, I don't want to survive. I want to thrive. I want to put myself in a position to fly. Yeah. Well, sometimes no, survival comes first. Though. I mean, right. Like I drove a truck. But I, but I, yeah, Jeff, you, you, I mean, you're you're in this. World. I mean, how much faster can you move if there isn't any friction? That's my point. You can move uh, in anything you do in life. If you have a clear path, you're going to get to A to B way faster versus if there's friction, if there's things in your way going against you. It's going to take you a lot longer to get there. You're going to have to go around. It's like an added weight that you don't need. That's what I'm talking about. The support is so, so important. Yeah. You know, like if anything you, you pursue, the first thing a lot of... Um, I guess if you look at street smart, uh, street culture, corporate culture, the first thing any smart business people do in general, in business in general, they remove whatever's causing friction. Okay. So that you can uh, get there easy. You uh, don't have to be a rocket scientist, but they're just going to remove anything that's not conducive to your goal. Look, you, you, you go from here. This is your starting point. You want to be here. So we don't know each step. But we're just, we know that we want to be here. So while we're moving there, we're going to learn on the way. Anything that's causing friction, we get to remove that while we're going there so that we have a smoother sailing. And that's the whole point. And, and that's what I'm saying. Like growing up, I'm, I, how many Jeremy Lins did we miss out on? How many great musicians did we miss out on? And, and how many of those people with these, and I'm not just saying like, like Asian people, okay? Anyone that grew up in this anyone that had all these amazing dreams amazing ideas extremely talented and they didn't get a chance to really maximize on that talent really live their life instead they were put in fu- in a fucking desk they were they were they chose to live in fear to be buried to be safe and unhappy that to me is so frustrating that's the most depressing story if you if i watched a movie about that I mean, you watch movies, you're an actor. We all love movies. Who doesn't? You watch a movie about somebody who had all this fucking potential. And at the end of the fucking movie, he just goes back into a mundane life. Every day is the same. He wakes up to the alarm clock. He's tired. He's sitting down, being around people that's abusing him. You know, he's mentally unhealthy and he's not, you know, he's just being, his life is just being 
wasted away to me there's there's no greater tragedy that's a scary thought yeah it's absolutely terrifying it's that you want to know what scares me that shit is scary so when well, i hear your story also, man i i just i find it fascinating i find it incredible that that growing the era that you grew up on that you can you can kind of you know you grew up in an area and you're downplaying a bit but it was dangerous right but you were able to not fall into that bullshit right and and and, and you go you know what i like this i'm gonna do music I'm going to do acting. You found something that you love. Oh, yeah. When at I was, an early yeah. age. Well, not that early, but at, still well, at an age where you could move and develop yourself. Yeah, I grew up well, I grew up during the era of like really classic rock music, like, you know, Hendrix, The Cream. The one thing that did kind of change my life was I went to go see Jimi Hendrix at Madison Square Garden. Oh, man. And the opening band was a band called Cat Mother and the All Night Blues Boys. Mm-hmm. Who's Cat Mother? I'm watching him play in front of 20,000 people wow. at Madison Square Garden. What a crowd. Who's Cat Mother? Charlie Chin. A guy named Charlie Chin. You can look up his history. He goes. That's like a superhero name. He's a superhero because he's standing there on the stage like front and center. He's got a freaking ponytail halfway down his back. I'm going, I'm in the audience, and I'm going, I came here to see Hendrix, but I'm looking at this Chinese guy at Madison Square Garden. It just changed my whole perception. That of could like, be done. Right, that it could be done, because yeah. this is Ooh. when I had just like kind of That's thought, what I'm talking about. Yeah, these are like life-changing things that happened. I'm going, I'm there, I'm going, wow, he's doing it. I also play guitar. <laughs> but I had just like kind of was in the you know, first years of my, my learning. But then eventually I, you know, I met him and, you know, took some lessons from him casual, no. casually. Yeah, oh, yeah, I know, I know, I know Charlie. We hung out. He hung out at Basement Workshop, too. Oh, my god! Oh, yeah, gosh. he would do concerts. From seeing a guy on the stage to actually meeting him for oh, him, yeah. mentoring you. Yeah. So that's... You got, you got angels kinda, looking for you, yeah, man. Yeah, exactly. I was... Really wow, lucky. I'm going, well, I'm in the audience and I'm the, you know, a Chinese guy who plays guitar and I'm looking at a guy fronting a band fronting a band at Madison. I'm going the possibility was the seed was planted that I'm it curious, was possible. How did 20,000 people react to seeing a Chinese Chinese man? They loved it. Uh that band uh toured with uh with Jimi Hendrix's. Uh, they had oh, a man. at the time they had this uh single and it was one of the rare singles that was like 15, 20, it was a whole side of an album. What, why is this information being buried? Like, why don't enough people know about this? This is the first time I'm hearing about it. Yeah. And I'm really interested in Asian American history. Well, you know, and even stuff within, and, and, and it's like, it's all, it just kind of fizzles and no one really yeah. knows about Charlie, shit. Yeah, Charlie's family came from Queens. We need this. Like I'm our parents flushing. need to. Like parents need to know this. So they, yeah. when they, you know, if their kid wants to pursue them, they have to know it's possible. It is. It is. I mean, that was enough. And then uh, later on, you know, meeting a guy like Mako. This, this, and, and, this is the and, type of and stuff and that kids changes your life. Up. Is yeah. to meet a meet a master, meet somebody who's already you know, like paid his dues or her dues, and got to where they're going. So they're making it. They're they're showing by example that you can do it yeah. if if you. And apply it. And they're sharing a- their apply experience yourself. with with what? with you guys, and he's and they're sharing their experience. They're yeah. open to experience. Oh yeah. And Charlie was a great guy. I mean, it was uh, uh, had a great voice. Mm. 
total command of uh, like total relaxed command, warm. He had this deep voice, you know, and and he would sing, and it would be like the whole the whole room would melt. I'm, I'm I got a YouTube. Cool. Yeah, Charlie yeah. Chen. Look up his stuff. I recently bought his album. Uh, that was <laughs> this obscure album with him uh, singing on it. Let's let's fast forward a little. Yeah, um, sure. towards when you know when you get when you got back into like music and acting. I don't know if you got back to music, but getting back to acting. Were you kids? Were you kids? Um, at that age, where um, are they older now? Um, They're teenagers. Yeah, my, my kids are like uh, my daughter's married now for two years. My son recently got married. Their ages. She's. 27 and he's 33 yeah 33 oh i mean like when they when you were came back into the arts like what 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 age were they oh let's see if i came back 10 years ago they were let's see i have to think about it i haven't hadn't well well i mean like the 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 reason why i'm asking is were they older so it was easier for you to get back into the arts um or was it uh was this something that was that that kind of like was that Charlie Chin incident like in the beginning of your career kind of inspired you to to, to in music was there something that kind of gotten you or inspired you to get back into the arts acting well in in some ways i never left it because i still always had my i would always like leave a guitar out mm-hmm. right and i would kind of doodle a bit yeah you know and still write you know, right. compose. Yeah, um, it would. It never really left. It's always been like in my back pocket. Okay. You know, it's always been there, it, and it kind of hovering. It doesn't really leave you. Right. You know, you when you hear music, you kind of analyze and you know, you do your own right self. You know, your own criticism. Criticism. Yeah. Oh man, I don't like that. If I was doing that, I would you know arrange mm-hmm. it another way or. Why did he pick that note? Yeah. Or why did, you know what? <laughs> what when did, when did you decide to like get back to it like com- fully committed? Um I think it's a slow development. I don't think I oh, don't know if I don't know if if uh if I if, if, if there's a choice like there was a, a uh, like a turning point. Mm-hmm. Because I don't really feel like I really left it in my own head. Got it. It was just like I knew I was going to somehow get back to it. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know when. Okay. I just kind of trusted. Okay. My I I had no no choice but to go with my instincts on that. Right. So when you did the like, uh, if you guys don't know, but Jeff was one, played one of the um, parts in our web series, The Streets. He played the Dilo. Was that one of the uh, major characters that you got back into acting with, or were you already kind of um, playing some parts that were kind of like getting your feet wet back into? Um, that creative space. Well, you guys, you guys choosing me <laughs> to do that part, it was very significant. It, re- it really was. The streets really was significant because how so? Um, when I when when I saw it, I had doubts about it at first. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had doubts about. Well, I, like I didn't know you guys. I didn't know how your right. production was. Right. I didn't know who I was going to be working with. I didn't know Tak. Tak Eng. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome guy, man. Yeah, awesome Holy guy. <laughs> oh, you didn't know Tak? I thought you guys knew each other. I knew him. I didn't. Because um, you guys were in a, a previous Green Dragons. Green right? Dragons we were yeah. in Green Dragons, but we didn't work together on the same. But, but I knew him 
you know, then. Mm-hmm. Then I knew him even before that from Chinatown, but oh, okay. not, but not uh, close, Dur- you know, not directly. close personally. Yeah. Um, what was significant after I saw the playback on it, I would, the way you shot it, the way you produced it, it was totally shoestring, but it was so good. Mm-hmm. And it was so powerful. I was moved. I mean, whoever I showed that, that that particular clip to, and it's now you know it's on my reel. It's like, whoa, and I've that was a turning point for me where I realized, hey, I I have something to offer. Mm. Uh, in terms more more so. I mean, I didn't think you, you don't. It's hard to judge yourself. Yes, you know when mm-hmm. it comes to acting, you always go. I, well, sometimes I'll I'll ask my wife. I'll go, was that any good? You know, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and <laughs> we'll look for that for, confirmation. So, so for bur- so for both clips <laughs> for the streets, I did bounce it off my wife, and she goes, especially when she saw the uh, you and me at the bar. Yeah, yeah. Um, was it episode three or four? Four, four. Um, Let's give it a little context yeah, of that I, scene. I played that for her, and she said, you did good. <laughs> hey, when, wifey says that, when, you know it's when good. When she says that, you when she's... <laughs> it was an intense scene, you know, certain... it was very fatherly, even though you're, you don't play the father of the right. character, um, you play the godfather, and it's a kid that you recruited at a very young age, and you get yeah. to see him do something where he breaks the rules of the street. And yes. you're very disappointed in that because you're very old school and stern and you know that the rules keep you alive. And to see that someone that you have mentored all the way up go against it and now he needs to be punished, it was the hardest thing for you to do, but you had to do it. Yeah, basically in the scene, I basically say, I'm saving your life for your own, you know, if you don't, if you go down that other path, you're dead. Yeah. I mean, I'll do it myself. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, that's powerful, man. <laughs> that's good writing, Will. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. Boom. Yeah, you know, I've I've been thinking about, um, I've been approached several people for the past uh, few years and uh, this year specifically um, to do another one. And that was, you know, I I gotta be honest, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. We had no money. I just had a script. You guys are incredible. And I had a couple of cameras. And you know, I said, you know what? I don't care if people talk shit. I don't care if people say, um, I'm not gonna worry about what the fuck people say. I I want to do this. That was it. And, and, you know, I just put all the fear aside. And I know I was like, I know there's people that's going to judge me. I know there's people that are going to say it sucks. And maybe it might. But maybe it won't. What if it doesn't? Right? So, and I had no money. And then they said, yo, you can't get these people to work with you. So, meanwhile, I got a sound studio to say yes. We got a colorist, a very, in a, in a legit high-end studio, Say yes. We have a phenomenal um, uh, group of uh, people behind the camera and in front of the camera. But the thing is, we're operating on a zero dollar budget. Like, there's like everything that we put on it was our money. We're shooting, we're getting whatever we can get free with our resources. But I just, I couldn't take, I don't care if I had to shoot it like on a, a, on a freaking cell phone. Like, I would have just shot it because you know why? And, and I'll tell you why. It's because the moment that I give myself an out, then it's gonna then it's gonna be more things, you know, right? The moment I go, I say, well, I'm not good enough unless I have this type of camera. Well, I'm not good enough if I have this type of colorist, if I have this type of person scoring it, if I don't have this actor. I'm never gonna fucking do this shit. Fuck it. 
I'm not waiting for anybody. I'm going to get this shit done for better or for worse. Let's just see what happens. Let's, you got a camera, bro? Let's go. Like, I got a fucking script. I don't give a shit. Let's go. We, gotta, we get the best people that we can, and let's do what we got. And you know what? The first day, the first day, and this is when we had 50 subscribers on our channel. Like, not even. I'm sorry. It's, it was like less than 15 subscribers in our channel. Um, when the first episode comes out, within the first hour, we gained 50 subscribers. We're like, okay. I go to bed. I'm getting a... I wake up to a fucking <laughs> slew of texts, and I'm like, what the fuck? I'm, I'm like, what's going on? Like, who died? You know, or what's going on? And, and, and next thing you know, boom, yo, Will, we got 10,000 views. What, what do you mean? We only got one video up. For real? Yeah. Episode one got 10,000 views overnight? Stop playing. Well, holy, yo, bro, we got over 1,000 subscribers. Overnight? How? Yo, the material is so sp- the, they sharing the, the shit out so of it. Powerful man. And then, as and then, I by the time I log in, I'm like, yo, we got fifteen thousand views. What do you mean ten thousand? <laughs> and then it just kept growing and growing. I'm like, holy shit, holy shit. And none of us knew what we were doing, but we just knew that we wanted to do it, and we were going to live and die with the mistakes, and we're just going to keep moving forward. Because I will tell you what, a lot of people made us wait, and doing any type of film, you wait. And I just said, fuck it. I don't want to wait because if I wait, wait about what for what sound score editing, there's so many pieces to filmmaking. Right. And, and, you know, and, and especially a lot of filmmakers or creative people, they want to get, they can get wrapped up in a space where they say, well, it's not good enough. And they'll, that project will sit on a shelf for years. That script will sit on a shelf for years because they don't think it's ready and more power to them. If they think that's the right move, who am I to say? Because a lot of people were saying that, well, you're an idiot for, for um, releasing the, the web series like the way you did. But the truth is, if I didn't do that, we may not, people may not have ever seen it. That's my point. It may not, it, if I didn't have that energy, that outlook on it, that, that I don't give a fuck, mm. ready or not, this is it, then it'll, it'll always be just sitting there. No one would see it. I wouldn't be able to share it with anyone, you know? And I'm so I, glad you, I, I, you I couldn't do you that. Let the, <laughs> you let the cat out. Everyone's like, yo, Will, if you could do it, if you could do it again, would you like, no, I just wouldn't work with your ass for having a stupid mentality. Like, like, you know, it's, and I hate saying that cause it sounds really negative. Right. But it's a fact, you know, a lot of people have a limiting mentality. Like it's just, they just keep coming up with excuses. Like we have enough against us. If you have a, a a backward mindset, well, I need this or I can't do this. What? Like to make it happen. Like, what are you you waiting for me to do it? Like, that's not my job, right? I'm not like I'm not skilled in that. You're way more skilled than I am. Why are you going run into me? Hmm. You know. And I had everybody, but that's gonna happen when you're the director or when you're the, you know, when you're the head of the group, or the catalyst. People are gonna come to you, but then, but then, what? My advice to anyone, you know. Even if someone's talented, if they ain't shit and they ain't moving the project forward, then what's the point of having them around? Like, seriously. They're yeah. talented, but you're not really using it. They're holding you back. They will slow you down. They're slowing you down. Let them go. I promise. Let them go. Let it, you know, just find someone that, that, that works fast and then just keep working towards it. You know, keep massaging. You get someone that's negative. You get a negative energy. You got a weak mindset. Shit ain't going to get done, man. He, he gonna, they're going to start affecting other people in the group. In, in a in a in a 
you know, they're, they're going to try to get more people on their side. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, and you, you just got to build the right team. And it's tough, man. It's tough because a lot of people don't want to be accountable. A lot of people just want to justify their laziness or their pass, passiveness for the project. And, and you know, I just, if you love something, then do it with with all you got, man. That's, you know, it's when I when I play basketball, my whole life, I never thought that, oh, I'm going to be in the NBA one day. Like, I just loved it. I just love playing ball. I just want to kick everyone's ass. Exactly. It's just fun to me. You know what I mean? And I'm acting, and I don't know if I'm going to end up in Hollywood. Who knows? I, I have no idea. But I know I love it. I don't care about being famous. I could give a shit. But I know that if I could create value and my girls, my daughters can look back and go, dad's a fucking damn against all odds. And he was able to like just climb up from the ashes, you know. I mean, holy shit. What a story, right? And, well, look, and look at all the people I get to be proud to, meet. to see in the streets when they get older. I think they're going to laugh about it. I think they're going to be like, because by the time they get older, that's going to look so ancient. It is. Right? I mean, I look it's at it now, so, Jeff, and I'm period. like. It's already period. It's a period yeah. piece. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It's a, it's I look at it now and I'm like, you know, there's so many things I would have done differently because I know what I know I know now. But. Like, would I change it? I don't know. I, 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 the artist in me says yes, because you always want to make something better, right? Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know. I think, I think it could, has a lot of room to be better. So that's why I do entertain the thought when people say, yo, you should do streets with this person, this person. And there's some, like, other, like, they want me to do, like, a Chinese crime, crime drama. Mm-hmm. And then there's all, also prominent, like, there's better actors now on the scene. There's also, like like, other, like, you know, people that are from the streets that'll really carry that look really yeah. well. That that well, I'm actually really your f- network since th- you must have yeah. expanded your network like tremendously since the streets. Yeah, that's true. And so have I. And here's the because thing: because of the streets. Yeah, <laughs> I know. You remember you you were getting jobs. So many actors told know, me this. They were getting so many know. jobs off of the streets without even being auditioned. Right. And I actually exactly. had a few auditions too. They were calling me like, "Hey, yeah. Will." Um, we saw the streets. We want you to come in for this run for like feature films, and I was like, "Holy shit, pretty cool!" And then when people would like hit me up and tell me about it, like you, yeah. you know, you told me a monk, a monk. I think monk? You, you said a monk came up to you and said he saw the streets. I don't know. You were on East Broadway. I, something, yeah. I mean, a lot of people in Chinatown have seen. They recognized they, you, and then they, they recognized me in the streets. Yeah. Wow. I even even this year, I'm still getting people. You still got. Like, I, get it. I was in K Town. I'm getting street, yeah. streets fans. I, I'm in K Town and I haven't drink. The bartender throwing free drinks at me. I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> and I'm thinking she's trying to hit on you, right? Uh, like in my vanity. But no. Then she goes. She goes. Uh, You're the guy from the streets. <laughs> I loved it. We needed that. I was like, oh, uh, excuse me. Fine. And then fine. people. Some people came up to me in Chinatown. On another time, out with my wife and my two kids, and we're not even in a Chinese venue or Asian venue. We're at this uh, this wow. steakhouse. Right. And, and, and uh, it's a very, you know, it's one of those like you go on Yelp. It's one of those four dollar signs. It's expensive. Right. But we're like, ah, hey, what the heck? Let's let's you know, let's get some nice steak tonight. So we had a tomahawk, everything. The guy comes out later on. And he finally he goes, hey, we're looking at you. And he works there. You know, I just want to say I love the streets. I was like, wow, excuse me. He goes, this is on us. So he gave like wow. not the whole steak, not the whole steak. But he gave like he gave desserts, tomahawk steak. drinks. He goes, this is on us. And a couple of them love the street, and they weren't Asian. Fucking blew my Amazing. mind. They weren't Chinese. You know, weren't Asian. You know, the streets is that powerful. It's not just for Asian man. by any means. Man. It's just the first thing I did was text text TV. my buddies in a group chat. I was like, "Yo, yeah. 
this is the craziest shit. Um, I, shit, it fucked me up, man. And they gave my kids everything's free desserts. They gave me free like Whoa. alcoholic beverages. And my wife looks at me, Lisa. She goes, "Well, keep doing what you're doing." <laughs> <laughs> That's the first. I like. She looked at me with the like, you know, like kind of proud and shit. She goes, "Well, I, you I, keep doing what you're doing." Keep. I never got any of that. You know, <laughs> well, that's because you was behind the camera. I was behind the camera. You're behind that the camera. One scene. And you said you prefer that. that. I prefer. I prefer it. I prefer. Yeah, it. yeah. But it'd be nice to have some free drinks. You gotta <laughs> roll with Jeff. I gotta roll with it. You gotta roll with Jeff, man. Exactly. But yeah, I would. No, I, I roll with Ty. I, 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 oh, <laughs> you, should, yeah. you should roll with. Ty. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Man, yeah. I forget. Ty's a whole nother level of oh, that. Oh my god. He's getting all the free drinks. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, but uh, I would love to do something. But if I do it this time, like I want to, I want to do it the right people behind the camera yeah in front of camera is whatever it, it is it is it is what it is right i think i think it's there um i'm i'm actually really concerned and i don't think a lot of people um creators really that's one thing that's overlooked is the people the team behind the camera the the, the muscle the people that actually see things through the, the positivity the energy the, the the people when you're feeling down they go yo fuck that yo let's go let's get it mm-hmm. let's get it you, we can do this yo let's get this scene in yo we could get those extra shots let's go I got this phenomenal idea yo we should do it like this or editing they go yo we could do this in the editing room like you know people with energy that positivity um, you know you, I think in any work environment forget about film corporate world right in 9 to 5 like or a real estate agent you need people with good energy on your team. You know, you wouldn't, if I'm yes. j- giving somebody a job interview and they and, and I see the real them, like if we're having coffee or if we're uh, sitting across the table or if shit isn't going right, like I want to see the real you. And when shit doesn't seem like it's the best, but you can still be positive. And, and maybe if I'm low energy that day and I want to see how you take it, are you just riding my energy wave? But if I'm low energy and you're looking at me and you recognize that and you're like, yo, Will, fucking get it. I got this. I got a great idea. Look, this is how we're going to do this. Yes. Oh, my God. Don't never let that motherfucker. That's the employee of the year. You know, that's a partner of the year. Like, you know, that's somebody that you always want on your team. That I think those are the most valuable people. Skill, you can teach. Experience will come along the more you do it. But you can't teach that. You, you know, that some people are just the way they are, you know. But to have someone like that, you know you're going to succeed because that's the attitude. That's the attitude that's going to give you those W's, you know. The temp, yeah. That's a winner attitude. That's one thing, yeah. When you're doing something like an audition, mm-hmm. like, I know this casting director's probably seen like, you know, five dozen people th- before he's seen me. <laughs> and I'm going, I'm walking in this. So you have... Uh, one thing I've learned is like your temperament has to be totally positive so that they, they can feel it when you, as soon as you open your mouth or even by whatever your body language. I've One thing I've learned about that is like you're there to lift them up. You know, you're there to give them a spiritual boost that when you walk out, they go, wow, man, I just got juiced. Yeah. When, you, when you walked out, that, that's my goal now <laughs> is to like give them something they didn't expect. That's it. Give yeah. them something they didn't expect yeah. or give them something that kind of breaks the tension, breaks the ice, mm-hmm. makes them laugh, kind of makes them pay attention to you a little yes. bit more yeah. and, and get them on your side. I feel like most of the time they are rooting for you. They want to see you succeed. Oh, but yeah. when they've seen so many people, they're just exhausted. It's like, fuck. Look, at the end of the day, you're there to solve a problem. Yeah. Right? 
they have a problem and you and you want to be the one to solve it whatever it may be but you need to have that attitude right you need because they they're, they're going to be on set with you you know yeah. if the director's oh. there and he's looking oh. at you like can I work or she you know whoever it is they looking at you like the director like can I work with this person can I mold this person do I see them and they fit the character and if not maybe I'll think about them later on right but it's you don't want to work with people that are just you know just soul suckers or just boring low energy no value they well, have a green eye like you just you develop a filter constant as excuses you, as you <laughs> man i'm telling you nothing annoys me more man i i, I get you know it starts making me look like a compulsive obsessive type and i'm not i just i just like to have fun but it's not fun in terms of what when you're working with someone like that it's not fun you know so you're talking about people you've let go before. Is that what you're talking about? In general, just speaking oh, in, general, in general. Like like there's people like that I'm mean, playing basketball with and they don't want to really play. They just want to shoot the ball all the time and they walk around, you know, and they're super lazy. It just it kills me. It kills me. So that take extrapolate that same um energy and put that in any other situation. It's fucking frustrating if you're doing film with them. Holy shit, or if you're in a relationship with them. There's no room if, for it. And it's it's like what the fuck, yo? Wake up. Like, what is wrong with you? You know, like, ah, you know, it's like, come on, we're trying to win here. We're trying to, we want to win. We want to have fun. We want to succeed. We want to build something great. But your energy doesn't match the goal. Your insight doesn't match the goal. What, do you, what the fuck is wrong with you? You want to live this weak shit all the time? Like, oh, man, something like Jay-Z said, what's the point of living average, you know? What's the point of living average, you know, when you can be great? So well, I'm paraphrasing to, here, to, but... To take that up further, what's what's the point of living with average people around you? You want to be in that kind of network where you can... How do you do that? How do you get away from all the average, the soul suckers, and just surround yourself with greatness? How do you do that? How do you get yourself well, in a circle? In your own personal experience, how have you, how have you done <laughs> how that? How do you do that? It's easier said than done. How do you do that, Jeff? Because... I'm I mean, having a terrible, I mean, are, a terrible talking, time with it. Are you talking about? Are you talking about? No, I'm not talking about my circle of friends. I love them and okay. they are great. Then, but I'm just talking about work in general. Like there's somehow there's always work like, in general. Work in general, man. Like whether it's it's corporate life or it's it's making a film or it's something else, uh, creating. And you always bump into like some shit, and you're just like, man, come on. Like you, you, you. you there's friction. You know, and these people are putting more shit in a way than they are helping, and it's it's infuriating. You know, it's like you're. you're are you talking about your work situation? I'm I'm saying in general, I'm not Jeff. Sure. I, I said in general, like whatever it may be, whether it's my nine to five, yeah, whether or, it's me creating, yeah, I keep bumping into people that are like that, where they come up with reasons to, and at the end of the day, they're doing nothing but holding us back. You know, they make it sound very valid, but at the end of the day, it's 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 something that that's why they were hired to do. Yeah, it's their job. If somebody right. was doing that to me, I would I would make the effort to explain to them and say, "Look, man, where are you coming from?" If well, how just, many I'll times just, can you explain to that person? Well, if they're not going to get know? it, then you just really can't. You you don't really want to waste your energy with some around somebody like that. Yeah. So so just walk away, just like. You know, avoid, avoid. Yeah, a lot of times that sometimes it's not up to you. It's not up to you. 
you know, sometimes. But yeah, I mean, it's, like I said, it's easier than so. Like, I mean, walk away. I get it. But how do you surround yourself with with people that where you don't need to worry about that? Where you don't have to focus your energy on having a conversation with someone? Where you can just be dope, and then they can be dope with you, and you don't need to have that conversation. Like, dude. The shit is whack. Like, what are you doing? Like, how do you have that conversation? Like, how do you not have that con- How do you surround yourself with people that are, like, just fucking amazing? Wow. Uh, I feel most of the people that I've kind of networked in the last, you know, five, seven, eight years, I feel like they're they're reachable. If, they, if they're... If if they have any sort of a positive attitude, they're always they will always be accessible. I mean, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, but if you if you have an inkling of an idea that you want to promote some, some writing or some project, I feel like at this point because they've they've all been in the business, they all have an idea, they've all had experience. You can tap into that, and if they're if they're if they're any kind of like straight ahead person, they'll help you. Am I answering your question? Sort of, not really. <laughs> <laughs> but I let you finish your thought. Uh, I mean, there's some value there. There's a lot of value there. But what I'm saying is, uh, what I'm asking is, how do you surround yourself with people who are great? Like, for example, like I don't know if you pay attention to basketball. LeBron James had, you know, it's been documented that he didn't have the best teammates where he did all the heavy lifting and he carried them, and he always fell short of his goal. Always fell short of his goal, which was to win the championship, the ultimate goal, right? Until he teamed up with Dwayne Wade, right? Mm-hmm. In Miami, who was like a brother to him, who teached him, um, who mentored him, and, and, and at the same time didn't big bro him. He looked at him like a peer and supported him, right? And Dwayne Wade already experienced greatness without... LeBron, and for him to share that platform, uh, him coming to his current existing team, inviting him with the red carpet, and and then passing the baton, going, "This is your team, bro." Like that's what I'm saying. How do you how do you find something like that? You know, how do you find another partner in crime that's just like ridiculous? And I'm and it's not one person. It's like how do you find enough of a team? Because it's not just you and one other person. It's a it's a team when you're doing a film. You need a lot of people that's going to play their roles efficiently right whereas yeah, before lebron was doing everything everybody and you can tell because once lebron left the team they were in last place most and then the rest half of them weren't in the nba anymore no teams picked them up because they were just trash you know it's so that's what i'm saying like how do you how do you do that and you're saying you're sur- you don't really see that you're surrounded by people who are who who you think who you would classify as great so that's why i'm i'm you know for a lot of people listening i i, I feel like they're going through this too. There's going to be pockets of people that go through it where they go, all right, I had enough. How do I surround myself with people that are great? How do I find mentors? You have so many great mentors, right? How do I find good mentors? Easier said than done, right? How do I surround myself with good friends? How do I find like a great relationship? You know, these are all things that people are yearning for. Okay, I think I, yeah, I think I see what you're saying. I, I really feel like they will come to you but you have to be out there and be exposed. That's one. That's one thing. Accessible. That's one thing that even like doing this podcast, you'll be, you know, you're out there. People can see you guys, and you guys have already found yourselves already. That's right. one thing you got going, which is very beautiful. So you know, you can always count on you know each other. 
to uh, to back each other up and and boost each other. But um, just get out there because they and they will find you. So whether it's a relationship, they will find you. Yeah. If you're looking for a partner, get out there. If whether it's in a relationship, in business, in life, yeah, in creating, just get out there. And trial and error. Keep failing. Keep producing. You know, producing. do what you're doing. Keep Don't let writing. Nothing keep, stop you. Keep producing. Yes. And I mean, and that's great advice. Otherwise, I feel like- yeah. Otherwise, who knows you? I mean, if I, you know, if I stayed home, I mean, I, I would prefer to not hang out as much as I do. You know, I like to chill more than go out. But mm-hmm. it's an obligation for me. It's part of as be, the craft. being in the public is you have to mingle. You have to go out there. You have to like. Yeah. Wow, man, I'm so like tired from the other night, but now I really got to go out again. You know, yeah. I've got to go. You know, you know, and be sociable, and right. you know, have that energy up all the time. But that, you know, it, it's usually worth it because you will meet people that will boost you up, and they'll they'll go, "Oh man, I saw you in this, but that was really great." But they'll, you know, you get your little ego rubs and all that. It's in lots of ways, it's worth it, but it's necessary. Yeah. That's my. Point. That's, that's my. I t- I'm trying to answer your question you, now. And that was perfect because you need to do that. You, you got to put in that work yeah. and that effort. Yeah. And if, to think that you're going to sit on your ass at home and everything's going to be given to you, it's it's not going to happen. No, no. You have to be proactive. Yo, Jeff, man, that that was that's incredible. I cannot, you know, um, agree with you more on that. You know, that that's some serious wisdom there, and. Uh, you know, it's it's and it's not always the the sexy, you know, profound answer. Sometimes it's just is is straight ahead. Yeah, it's kind of common. In this case, it's kind of common sense. It's like they will never find you if you're not out there. And like, I've had agents call me. I have agents. I have two like good agents, DDO and uh, and um, uh, no, I have three agents, Buckwald and Lucy King. They found me. I never actively went for a, a talent agent right and and because, to put it in context when we were doing there. the streets you didn't have an agent yet so um, all this kind of just came together as as you built momentum in your career right um i'm not sure was the streets before the last airbender time wise i don't know i, I, I don't know. the, the I reason think... is i i picked up an agent on the last airbender when i actually worked background Okay. On the last airbender of, you know, what's his name? Uh, Shyamalan? Yeah, yeah Shyamalan. I'm nice Shyamalan. Yeah. Uh, Terrible movie, by the way. <laughs> yeah, but Besides I, the I happened, yeah. I happened right, to pick right. up, yeah. because of that Got movie, it. I was in this casting agent's roster, mm-hmm. and she, for some reason, she just picked me out. She said, I'd like to represent you. Hold on, I want to go back to M. Night Shyamalan. Like, yeah, if, you know... He still got some hits. You got to give the man credit. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, he he got some Bro. hits in the beginning. I like Unbreakable. Six I mean, I, Unbreakable. Like yeah. nah, he's still. I mean, it's not easy, man. Like trying to get even one hit, but he's he's got a few on his roster. I mean, he gonna, missed he missed uh, a lot of uh, key points in that Unbreakable. But so again, like you can't really just put it all on him. Who knows? Yeah. It could yeah, have been I, the studio. I, I don't know. Yeah, it could be it the could have been the team. It could be the producers. I don't know. That's, a, that's not so, fair. The money, I was the just backing. talking about the timing to answer to answer your question. That's why I brought up Airbenders because that was the time. So you asked me, did I have an agent for the streets? Yeah. I'm not yeah, sure. Whenever that was. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think Airbender was first. So I may have been attached to that uh, okay. uh, uh, agent first. But the, 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 that's the thing. You built up traction. And, and, yeah. and you know, what I mean, you did I, today matters tomorrow. 
Yeah. Right. So if and you're just, sitting on your ass today, you can bet your bottom dollar that you're you're getting no residuals. You're getting nothing. <laughs> yeah. For the most part, right? But if you put in that work, yeah. There there's gonna be there's gonna be a result of it. Yeah. You're gonna get some benefits. You're putting yourself in a position to succeed. You're investing in yourself. You know, it's hard. It's hard to trust yourself. You know, you like this workout, I don't see any change, but it's all of it's incremental. I'm I'm going to this audition and I don't see this change. I'm going to this acting gig, I'm going to this network and you don't see it, but, but I'm I telling see change. you I absolutely I see change and I, I and I've learned Looking like, back, you see yeah, change, yeah, but know, in the yeah, moment, it's right. like you really don't. Right. You know, the short-term gain is zero. You think, right. but when you reflect back, you're like, like "Holy wow, shit!" Wow, this this is something I didn't have before. Like this year, I got you know my first blacklist. You know, mm-hmm. I had yeah. to audition for yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got my first like pharmaceut. I got uh, a commercial, mm-hmm. re- regional bank commercial. Yeah, uh, my first pharmaceutical drug uh, print job. Which were all, you know, pretty decently paid jobs. Hey, commercial gigs, they oh, pay yeah. the oh, most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know. So that was, to, for me, that was 2019. So I'm going, well, that's, for me, that was a good personal, like, little step there. Right. I'm going, wow, now I can go, since I've done that already, I know how to do it again. Mm-hmm. I know what it takes or what, how to audition, how to, sh- you know, how to, I've learned how to dress, how to show up, and how to carry yourself. There's a process to it. In, in the you know, audition room, yeah. yeah. So, And there's enough, and now I have enough media out on the internet where if somebody just like looks up my IMDB, they'll know pretty much who I am and what I can do. All right, man. Jeff, thank you for coming along, man. It's been a fucking killer killer time with you. Um, hoping we could get some drinks after this. It's been it's, an honor, it's Friday Jeff. night. Thank you for so. coming in, man. You say drinks? Yeah, let's go some interest. Okay, we're closing it off. All right, man. Yo, check thank you for listening, folks, and check us out on the next one. Peace. Peace. It's been an honor.